Good afternoon, Risen Hope. Good to be with you guys today. Uh, good morning to those who are uh, joining us online on Sunday morning. Um, hope you guys are having a good day. Hope you guys got to uh, enjoy the sunshine, maybe through the window. I think it was in the 20s when I woke up this morning. So it looked beautiful out today, but it still bit a little bit. But um, a beautiful day really shows us uh, a beautiful picture of God's creation. But uh, I'm excited to share with you guys today. Uh, we're going to be continuing our series, Know Him. Uh, before we dive into God's Word today, would you guys pray with me? Father God, we just thank you and praise you for today. Um, God, as I just mentioned, the, the beautiful picture of, of your creation is just a, a, a small reminder of the incredible glory and the majesty of who you are, God. Um, I thank you for that reminder today, especially where we live and, and during this time of year, being able to see that glimpse is, is something that just feels so good and also um, shows the beauty of, of who you are. Um, but God, I pray that today as, as we gather and as we dive into your word together, God, that uh, we would just continue to know you more, um, God, and, and that as we talk about and as we've been talking about, God, and as we focus into your word um, in this season and, and with all of our lives and through all of our lives, God, um, I pray that as we think about this and as we reflect on your word, that would be something that would extend outside of this gathering and outside of these four walls, God, and outside of a video, God, but that it would turn into a way that we live our lives, God, as we've been focusing in on this season to just know you more, to press into you with all of our beings and all of our lives, God. God, I pray during these few minutes that we have together today that you would move me out of the way, God, and let you speak to us. Speak to me, God. Speak to our hearts, to our soul, to our mind, that we might know you more and see you more through your word, God. Uh, we thank you and praise you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to open up our time today uh, reading uh, Hosea chapter 6, as we've been reading um, a few times over the last few weeks, and, and this is kind of the theme verse for the series that we've been in. Uh, chapter 6, uh, verse 1 through 3, if you want to read with me. It says this, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us, and on the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains, that water the earth. Jeremy took us through this passage a few weeks ago and kicked off this series that we're walking through, Know Him. This passage as a whole really encapsulates the focus we wanted to have for the start of this year as we talk about knowing God, and as it says in the verse that we would, it's let us, as it says in the verse, let us press on to know the Lord. Um, this series, along with our intentional focus uh, on prayer and fasting, which we've been calling First Fruits, um, to start the year isn't really about us just having a great January. I hope we have a great January. My January has been pretty good so far. I hope yours has been too. But this isn't just about a great January. This is about us taking the start of the year to refocus, rethink, and reconsider, and recenter ourselves on what our lives are all about. That prayer and fasting and that scripture and that knowing Jesus is not a, once, a one month of the year thing, but this would be resetting and refocusing, refocusing, refocusing us on knowing him. And there's nothing like him. As Jeremy walked us through last week, there is nothing like the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. There is nothing like him, nothing more important than knowing Christ Jesus. I love Matthew 6.33, which tells us we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I can get in like a checklist mode. Um, this is not a checklist, ver checklist verse. It's not like, oh, the first thing that I do in the morning or the first thing that I need to do in my day is to seek first God. This is a, here is what the foundational thing for all of your life should be. 
And that's what Jesus is telling us in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We don't just pray or read and say, okay, we did that first, and now we can do other things. This is about rightly setting everything that we are with the sole purpose and focus being to fix our eyes on Christ, to know him, and to live every part of our life with Jesus at the center. So that's really what we're trying to talk through and work through as we focus in on knowing him in this season. Again, that that would just center us on what our life is all about. So as we continue down this path today, and as we talk about um, what it looks like to know him in the pursuit of, of seeing Jesus for all that he is, um, I'm really excited to talk to you guys about what it looks like to know God in community, what it looks like for us as followers of Jesus to know God together, to know God as the body of Christ. So as we get started, um, what I really, the big kind of takeaway and the big idea that we're going to walk through in a different ways is that God calls you to himself as a person that you may be part of a people. God calls each one of us individually. God loves and knows each and every single one of us, and he calls us individually to have a personal relationship with him. The God of the universe, the God of all seven plus billion people that are living right now has individual love and care for each and every single one of us. It's incredible. But beyond that, he also calls us to be part of something bigger than ourselves. So before we press into kind of this idea of the body of Christ, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that God has called us individually. God has called you to himself, because this is earth-shattering, ground-shaking news. Um, I think it's something that we all know, but it's something that can be so easily forgotten. Um, and something that I was really reminded of uh, this week in a really cool way, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but I'm going to read Psalm 139, 13 through 16, to let us think about how God has called each one of us individually. The psalmist is declaring to God, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Um, as, many as, you, as, as many of you know, uh, my wife and I are expecting our first child. If you didn't know that, we're super excited. Um, well, thank you. Um, yeah, well done. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, yeah, she's doing the hard work, um, that's for sure. Um, but this last week, we hit our 20-week milestone. Um, which some of you, many of you are parents and probably know, but this comes with a very long ultra, in-depth in ultrasound. Um, I think we were at the hospital for almost three hours on Monday, um, but it was amazing. We got to see our baby in literally like every single part of him, all 10 toes, all 10 fingers. We got to see the four different chambers of his heart blown up on a screen. Uh, we got to see his organs, his brain, literally everything about him. It was absolutely incredible. Um, and the love that me and my wife have for this little boy already is just like overwhelming. And, and as I reflected on that, after I came home and, and, and reflected on that and experienced that, I was thinking about um, this sermon. I was thinking about God and I was thinking about how much God loves each and every one of us and how I could see that little boy on a screen and, and, and I can already feel this love for him. But God sees us so much deeper than that each and every single day. Um, God doesn't need a, a screen or any technology, but he can see every single part of us. He can see our hearts, our soul, the inward most depth of us. He can see not just our form again, but every single part of us. I um, mean, he sees the beauty in the way that we mirror his image as we've been created in the image of God, as it says in Genesis. But he also sees the mess, the sin and all the ways we have and are currently and will fall short. And he chooses to enter into that mess. He sees all of that and says, the only response I have for them 
is love, love to the point of a cross. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God calls us as we are to come to him and through him alone, we are saved and made new. Despite our sin and our shortcomings, he looks upon us with love and grace. Psalm 37, 23 through 24 encapsulates this greatly. It says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. God loves you more deeply than you could ever know, imagine, or understand. This whole series and the idea to know him is about the right response to the love that God has shown us on the cross and the love that he gives each and every one of us every single day. To know God is to love him. John 4, 19 says we love because he first loved us. And as Jesus summed up the greatest commandment, the call for a, of a believer is to love the Lord with all that we are and to love one another as ourselves. To know God is to love him. So again, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows you and loves you, and it was by the work of Jesus on the cross that you have been saved. But you've not been saved just for you to pursue, know, to, for you to pursue and know God on your own and for your individual relationship with God to just be about you and him. God is calling you to a vibrant personal relationship with him. That is absolutely true and sure, but he's also calling you to be part of something bigger and greater. Um, Paul in his letter to the church in Ephesus gives a prayer for spiritual strength uh, for the people. Here he's addressing the Ephesians in this prayer. Um, and this was a prayer to the whole church that was uh, read in the letter that was given to him. So we're going to read Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, which says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now there's a lot here. I mean, we're going to kind of focus in, we're going to look through a few things here, but we're going to focus in on a specific part, which will bring us to uh, the rest of our time today. But this is a powerful prayer. Paul reiterates that he is praying to he who knows all and through whom all have been named and to the one who gives strength. Paul knows and shows us that we need God to know God. It is by his strength and doing that Christ dwells in our hearts. Without God, it is impossible. He continues that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Now it gets even better here in a second, but the big part and where again we're going to drive our conversation for today is this with all the saints. We see here that comprehension wouldn't just happen individually, but rather Paul's prayer for the people in Ephesus and God's word for us is that we would comprehend with all the saints. That is with other followers of Jesus. And he goes on, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Our call and pursuit to know God to, love God, to love the God that has loved us is something that is more fully experienced as a people, not just individually as a person. We come to know and comprehend him with all the saints, as it says here in Ephesians 3. It is with all the saints that we can more fully know and see the breadth and length and height and depth of God and his character and who he is. God calls you to himself as a person that you may be part of a people. We're called to be part of a people. Romans 12, 4 through 5 says this. 
For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so though many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. We together as a people make up the body of Christ. Romans 12 compares the human body, which is made up of many different parts or members, to that of the body of Christ, which too is made up of many different members. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 expands on this much further, and in 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 20, it says this. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. If all were a single member, where would the body be? This goes back to the importance of what we just talked about. God has individually called each one of us. And yes, we absolutely have personal relationships with him and he with us. But we're also called to be, called to be part of something bigger. We're called to be part of the body of Christ. We all as individual members come together and make up his body All of this is accomplished and done with Jesus as the head of the body. We are not to come together and to make ourselves into something, to form something, to become this super group that we can then present ourselves to him. No, we are to be fixed on and as made up as this body with Jesus as the head that he is himself with us and has attached himself to us. Colossians 1 unpacks this beautifully beautifully, in verses 15 through 20. Colossians says this, he is the image of the invisible God, talking about Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We function properly as the body of Christ only when our sole attention and focus is on him, who is the head of the body, Jesus. The passage in Colossians gives us a perfect glimpse into who Jesus is and how and why he has the authority and power to unite all believers into one body. Again, apart from Jesus, apart from the head, there is no way that we as a people could come together as one and be united in him. We are the body of Christ with Jesus as the head of the body. So how does the body of Christ know him and what does that look like? What does it look like for the body of Christ to know him, to know Jesus, and to walk with Jesus. The good news is, is that the Bible does a beautiful job of addressing this. If we think back to the, the passage we opened up with and the theme that we're kind of using this verse as for this series, um, that was addressing the people of Israel, and it was addressing um, a, a plurality of people. Um, that's common throughout the Bible. 
even in the Old Testament, and then especially in the New Testament, um, we see many letters addressed to churches, um, which I think if we think about how does the body of Christ follow him, that's probably a good place to start. Um, and we also see in the New Testament many different stories of what the early church looked like and what early believers were doing together, which continues to serve as a great example uh, for us today. We won't touch that on a lot, but Acts chapter 2 comes to mind and is a, a beautiful image of what it looks like to be the body of Christ. Um, but we're going to unpack a passage in Ephesians chapter 5. If you want to turn, turn with me there, we're going to spend a little bit of time in this one, uh, walking through it a little bit more slowly. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 15 through 21. Starting in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to, the God, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for, reverence for Christ. There are a lot of things in this passage, um, so we're going to look at it in a few different pieces and again kind of just walk through it over time. So if you turn there, I'd encourage you to leave it and we'll, we're going to come back to a few verses in a moment. Um, but just immediately right here in the first two verses of this passage, we are called to look at how we walk and to be wise and to make the best use of our time. Um, in the original language, um, if you look at it, the words being used here are also translated to redeem when it talks about time. We are to redeem our time. Um, so when we think about it and we look at it this way, we are to take these evil days and take them back for what God has for us, redeeming our time for his glory. I think this is really important for us to think about both individually and as people. Some questions for us to ponder and think on um, as we walk through this. What do you spend your time on both individually and, and with others in community and, and corporately? What areas in your life need to be redeemed? What areas in your life do you need to refocus and rethink and, and reposture certain habits or, or things or, or things that you're not doing? Are there, are there rhythms you already have in place that can be repurposed and refocused? Are there new rhythms you need to start with other believers? Let us be a people that walk in wisdom and redeem our time for the glory of God. In the next section, Ephesians 5, 17 through 18, Paul says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, the pursuit of Christians in the body of Christ is knowing God, that through knowing him we may be able to discern his will and align ourselves to living for his glory. Paul continues by addressing drunkenness and says, do not get drunk, do not use much wine. Um, that's very important. That's a good lesson there. That one's a little bit more straightforward. But there's also an example there that I think he's giving, which is really important as well. It serves as an example that we should not fill ourselves with things of this world, wine being one of many things that we could turn to. And that goes, again, beyond what we see here. But there are so many things that we can easily look and to see and that we fill our time with, we fill our lives with, we fill our habits with. We should think about those things. And in fact, he goes a step further and doesn't just say, this is what you should not fill your time with, but he says, rather be filled with the Spirit. That's how he closes verse 18, that we should be filled with the Spirit. We should be looking to God to be what fills us, what completes us. There is nothing else that will fill that hole. There's no 
wine, there's no game, there's no entertainment, there's no TV, there's no sports team. I'm a huge Seahawks fan. They disappoint me almost every single year. Um, I'm even probably a bigger Mariners fan, and if you want to talk about disappointment, wow. Um, For decades, they've been disappointing me and others. Um, So there is nothing that will fill you. Um, Sports is probably what I try to get closest to that, and it doesn't come close. There is nothing that will fill you. Let us be a people that reposture, rethink, and reconsider and center ourselves on what is most important and let us be filled with the Spirit. Again, the pursuit of Christians in the body of Christ is knowing God and that through him we may be able to discern his will and align ourselves to living for his glory. What are the things that fill our lives and detract us from walking in what God has called us to be and what God has called us to do? What things get in the way of knowing God? Ephesians 5, 19 through 21, the last few verses in this passage say this, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Being filled with the Spirit and knowing God and seeking after him brings us to song and praise. Let us collectively and corporately, like we did earlier and we will do in a few moments, praise the Lord and give him thanks for all that he has done, all that he is doing, and all that he will do. The right response to seeing what God has done, the right response when people come together is to be thankful to God, to praise his glorious name because his works are wonderful. His works are majestic. His works are greater than anything we could ever imagine. And it brings us to a place of praise, both individually, um, but as I think it displays here in Ephesians and through other places, what we'll look in a second, um, to address one another with this. Well, worship has a very personal element to it. We are built up and united in a joint praise and song to the Lord. And uh, Colossians 3 um, really echoes this. Um, wrong page. Uh, Colossians 3 really echoes this and saying, let the, word of, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching you and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs, songs and hymns and spiritual th- th- songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This passage in Ephesians closes with a call then to submit to one another. This submission being mutual care and love for one another. Uh, Submission is not a bad thing. Submission in the right ways and to the right person is a beautiful and glorious thing. Just as when we submit to God, we know that what he has for us is best and right, and we can trust him. So should our submission be to one another, our submission to the church look like, to the submission to the body of Christ look like, that through submission we may love, serve, and lift each other up. Here in Ephesians, Paul calls the body of Christ to walk wisely, to redeem our time, to be filled with the Spirit, to address one another in song and worship to God, in thankfulness, and to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is what it looks like to be the body of Christ. As to, this is what it looks like to be the body of Christ. This is what it means for us as a people to be part of something greater than ourselves and to walk with Christ as our head. Building off of this, I want to give a few practical things uh, to take away from today that are crucial in knowing God as the body of Christ as presented in Scripture. Um, so I'm going to give three very specific things that I think Scripture presents perfectly, and, and they fit into what we just talked about in Ephesians, um, but get a little bit more practical. The first is, is that we are called to gather with one another. We are called to gather with other believers. As we unpacked earlier, we are designed and created to be unified as one body in Christ. We cannot be one body and a united people without coming together. That probably sounds obvious, but that is a reminder that we need to have is that we are called to come together. 
Um, and this is important here. Fellowship isn't, isn't an extra item in the life of a believer. It's an essential item. It's absolutely essential to be part of a body, be part of fellowship, to be with other believers and to share life with them. No, I know and I want to address very specifically um, that this is a sensitive and difficult season that we're in. Um, so let me expand on this a little bit. There are legitimate reasons why gathering together may look different and be unique in certain seasons. Um, this season is just one of many examples of maybe things that can happen in life that would be that way. However, there is not a, an excuse to forego gathering together completely. Again, fellowship is essential. Yes, it can look different. Yes, there's ways to be flexible. Um, but coming together as a body, coming together as believers, coming together with one another is a call that Scripture gives us to do. And we're lucky and we're blessed to live in a time where we can do that in many more creative ways than has ever been possible before, but is absolutely a call in Scripture for us to gather together with other believers. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 lays this out perfectly. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who, prom who, who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are called to gather together, to gather with one another as believers. The second one is, we're called to read the Bible with one another. We're called to read the Bible with one another and read the Bible with other believers. I hope you read your Bible on your own every single day. I hope it's multiple times each day. But as a people created to know God and seek him, we cannot just do this alone. Let us read the word together that we may learn and see more of God through his word and through one another. As Proverbs 27, 17 says, very cliche, but very applicable. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Um, if you want to start reading your Bible with others in this season or have questions, um, shoot me an email, david at risenhope.cc, and I'd love to get connected with you and figure out a way to do that. Um, the men in the church uh, have an open rhythm every Thursday night that is open to, to men, obviously. Um, and the women have a few rhythms that I'm not obviously involved in, but would gladly get you connected with. Um, and that's just an example, right? Like, there's so many different ways and options out there and what this could look like. Maybe it's just picking a book in the Bible and finding somebody um, in your house or uh, someone in church or a friend or a neighbor and to just start walking through that with them together. Um, again, we have some things here in the church that we'd love for you to get connected with, um, but the important fact is just that you're doing it and you're reading the Bible with other people. So I encourage you to do that. Um, and thirdly, pray for and with one another. Pray for and with other believers. Uh, Jeremy unpacked the place of prayer in knowing Jesus well a couple weeks ago. Um, and if you missed it, I encourage you to watch or listen um, to it. But God calls us to prayer. We see corporate prayer modeled amongst other things in the early church in Acts chapter 2. Uh, verse 42 says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. When the early church came together and they saw God do wonderful things in their presence, they devoted themselves to many things. They gathered together, but as part of that time, they prayed and they focused in and they looked to God to work on their behalf. We are called to pray for one another and with one another. As we've shared a number of times, we've started a weekly prayer gathering on Sunday mornings from 8 to 10 a.m. That's a shout out and an opportunity for you to come and join in that, to pray with one another and for one another. Um, but again, this is just one way to engage this. There are so many ways, but we as a people are called to pray for one another and pray together. As the body of Christ, we are called to gather together with one another, read the Bible with one another, and pray for one another. Let these things bring us together as one body. 
So what comes of us knowing him as the body of Christ? I want to ask this as we close our time today. What comes of us knowing him as the body of Christ? Uh, as this series has been looking to and as we've been unpacking and as we're thinking about and we'll continue to do next week, uh, we want to talk about what it means to know him, to know God. And, and knowing God is foundational to all things that go through all of our life. Um, but our heart as a church, uh, which we set from the very beginning, and that we talk about and pray about often, as there's a hope, is this, is that we exist to know God and to show God. Um, so yes, we're focusing in on knowing God, but there is something greater that God does in and through that. Well, we focus in on this and we press into knowing him, we can't fully understand and see what God is calling us into as a body of Christ in knowing him without touching on how we are called to both know God and show God. These go hand in hand, and the body plays an incredible and beautiful part in this. In fact, as we're going to unpack in a few verses here, the body is in many ways the way which Jesus continues to work here on earth as these passages are going to unpack, and, and as we see in a beautiful way, that Jesus continues to work and Jesus continues to be present, but he uses his people in a mighty, mighty and great way. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, 22 through 23. It says this, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things, the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I'm going to read that one more time and pause because this verse is powerful. It's short and it's quick and it does a lot of the things that we've already touched on. But there's a part here at the end that I want you to hear. So I'm going to read it one more time. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We know Jesus individually and together to not only glorify God and honor him in our own devotion, but by doing so, we can also show God to those that do not know him. Here in Ephesians 1, we see that Christ has been put head over the body and that in him and through him, the body would fill all. This being that the true body of Christ, which is all believers who know the one true God, would represent him in all of creation, that Christ may be seen and made known through his body, that Christ may be seen and be made known through us, through us, that we get to be the body of Christ that fills all in all. That's a high call. That is a huge, huge call. But that's what God is doing through his people, and that is what God is equipping us for, and that is what God is doing with us. That is why we seek to know him. And as we know him, we are equipped and called to show him. We exist to know God and show God. Um, so there's another verse I'm going to read as we close our time here, but I want to just uh, real quick, uh, uh, after we close, we're going to have an opportunity to take communion. Uh, there's individual cups out front if you didn't grab one on the way in. Um, and we'll do that during the last worship song. Um, but as we just reflect and think, we are called to be the body of Christ. And the only way that we've been able to become the body of Christ is because what Christ did with his body. And that's what we're going to be remembered today is that that exercise— that Christ did by coming and what he did for us to live the perfect life and die the death that we deserved and giving up his body is something that individually means the world to each and every one of us, but then collectively has called us together to now be his body in such a beautiful way. He gave his body that he might unite us together under himself as the head in such a beautiful and perfect picture. Um, there's so much we can reflect on on that as we take communion today. But just as we get ready for that, I want us to prepare and think about our hearts. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to read a closing passage in John 17, which really continues to talk about how we know God and show God. Uh, in John 17, this is Jesus' high priestly prayer, which uh, was him praying to God the Father just before he was uh, arrested uh, to, be, to be crucified. Um, 
So again, this is Jesus praying to God the Father, um, and he's asking um, on behalf of the people that already know him and, and, and asking some other things here of God. And it's, it's a beautiful thing, and it's a, an incredible thing, and it means a lot for who we are as a people and what God has called us to be in him. John 17, 20 through 26. I do not ask for these only, those being those that are following him and those who are with him. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That's an incredible passage. That could be a sermon series of its own, um, but there is so much there. Jesus in his prayer to God the Father just before he would be arrested and then crucified advocated not only that those who knew him at that time, but for those that did not know him yet and that it would be through those that know him that some may come to see him. He prays that those that know him would be united to him, that they would be one with him, and he one with the Father. And that through those who know him, others would come to know him and be united to him. It is through Jesus Christ that we come together as the body of Christ. He then uses the body of Christ to show himself to the world. Jesus continues to advocate to the Father that through him and his body, that we and others may know him. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that you have called us to something greater than ourselves, God. Uh, we on our own are, are dead in our sin and trespasses, God. We have nothing good to offer. We are, we are nothing but, but lamb for the slaughter, but you in your righteousness came. You gave us your son, that he died on our behalf, that we could be known and loved by you in an incredible way, that we could be saved and with you forever, God. But more than that, God, more than just us individually having a relationship with you, God, you have called us to be part of a body. You've called us to be part of the body of Christ, to be built up in you, God, and you have made us part of something so much bigger than we could ever understand or expect or see, God. God, we pray that we would just be fixed on you. God, help us to be fixed on you and be centered in you as the head, God. We need you to be with us, God. It's not that we are trying to manufacture something or be something that we are not, God, but because of who we are in you, because of where we have found ourselves in you, God, we can be this body, God. We can be this people that you have called us to be, God. God, I pray that you would be with us as a body, God, with us as a church, be with us as risen hope, God, and help us to, to, to gather together, God. Help us to read the Bible together, God. Help us to pray for and with one another, God. Let us be a church that, that stirs up one another to good works, God, that stirs up one another to, your, to affection for you, God, that stirs up one another to see and know you more in our daily lives, God. 
God, I pray that you would convict us of the things that so easily distract us individually and, and as we get together as people, God, so that we could be more fixed on you, God, that we could be centered on you, that all of our lives could be about who you are, what you have done, and what you are doing, God. You are so good and gracious to us, God. God, we pray that you, we, you would know you more, God, and as we know you, God, that we would be able to show you, God, um, to our family, to our friends, to our workplaces, and to the ends of the earth, God, that you would use your body to show people and to introduce people to who Jesus is, that they might come to know him as we know him, God. God, we thank you for today and for your grace and for this opportunity to spend in your word. God, be with us as we worship you and as we take communion. In Jesus' name, amen.